What's up, boys and girls? It's uh, Brad all by himself today. Joe has uh, a uh, another commitment with uh, family, so he's not going to be making it today. Um, but uh, I'm here, and I've got an awesome guest today. Cassandra from Arrakis is going to be joining us in about 15 minutes. Pretty excited about that. Uh, excited to learn about that product project. It's a spin out from one of my favorite uh, protocols and platforms, uh, Gelato. So looking forward to hearing all about um, that and what they're building and what they have and uh, how people are using it. So um, in the meantime, well, let's cover a little bit of news. Uh, let me get the share screen going here. And the camera gets in the way. All right. So, um, you know, markets hanging around where the market's been hanging around. Nothing uh, major changed. We had a nice little drop after the hitting 32,000 yesterday, but sitting around 30,204. If I have enough time, I'm going to go through Arthur Hayes' latest uh, about where he thinks things are going to end up, which is, you know, just another phenomenal piece of writing. If nothing else, I'll put it in the show notes. But we've got news. So, um, major crypto firms, uh, including Gemini, are cutting up to 10% of staff amid the bear market. Cointelegraph does let us know that last time um, a lot of uh, companies like Consensus uh, fired up to 60% of their workforce. So looks like they're learning a little bit of the lessons. But the interesting thing to me is all of these firms were hiring like madmen um, nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. When the rest of the world was telling them that there was probably going to be a coming bear market and there was probably going to be a downturn. So why why isn't that built into your plans? Why are you kind of in this runaway hiring mode and, and getting people recruited out of other firms and then you're cutting people? Now, we don't know exactly the kinds of positions they're cutting or <clears throat> what they're doing, but you know, to me, it's like these things are not... Um, rocket science. It, it is difficult to know exactly when a bear market's going to happen, but when you see everything starting to jump and dump, um, that might be the time to put pull back on the throttle on hiring. So, anyway, um, this story about the former head of product at OpenSea uh, being arrested by the FBI and charged with insider trading. You know, we all kind of look at this and say, um, "Yeah, well, what an idiot." Um, what an idiot, number one, for not having enough sense, you know, not to get caught. But uh, number two, what an idiot for taking advantage of people. But the story here that I'm most concerned about, and I am not an attorney, and I am not someone who is an expert in securities law, although I've dealt with it quite a bit in my career, is, is there a precedent potentially set with federal charges um, basically saying that NFTs are securities because my assumption is that under the law, um, that insider trading type charge would only be able to be applicable if there were securities. So my biggest concern about this, this story is that potentially this could set a precedent um, for securities law as it regulates crypto and making everything inside of crypto a security, which would be, you know, um, the SEC would love that shit. So um, I'm going to be watching this one closely. I'm also going to be talking to some uh, folks I know that are much smarter about this. Our attorney, uh, you have Muchnik and, and some other folks, maybe get them on the show to talk about if that implication is correct or if I'm just a complete fucking idiot. So we'll find out. Um, but it certainly raised some concerns with me um, that 
Uh, he's being charged with insider trading as it relates to NFTs. Um, obviously, we've all thought along that um, a lot of NFTs and crypto were going to get labeled securities and or already are labeled securities. Just wonder what the ramifications of the legal is on that. So I'll update you guys after I uh, have those conversations. But uh, let's see what else we got. So Binance raises $500 million. Um, and Binance has always, um, Binance Labs, their VC arm, has always funded their investment arm out of the exchange's money. So very interesting to see that they're raising outside money, but also really interesting to see that they could still raise $500 million. Um, that tells you that the other venture capitalists think that the Binance Labs has a pretty good track record uh, of investments. And uh, to me, it's a good sign that, um, that despite the market slowdown, despite the bear market, there is still going to be a ton of activity on the VC front investing in projects. Um, and I'm pretty confident that um, while everyone is kind of um, in the doldrums about where things are in the market, I'm pretty excited and confident that, um, that we're going to see a lot of activity in action. And, you know, as I've said over and over again, and all the time to you guys, my, um, my concern is, um, my thinking is, is that this is the best time, the absolute best time for the market for us to grow and to build and to make things better. So we'll see what happens. And just a reminder, we're going to have uh, Arrakis on the show, uh, Cassandra from Arrakis on the show uh, inside here about nine, 10 minutes. So uh, hey, stay tuned. Um, I'm excited about this uh, cell protocol. We talked about this last week a little bit. Um, this is uh, from uh, Skogard, um, a protocol that makes it free to mint NFTs because it utilizes its own virtual machine on the chain and allows developers to use simple JavaScript to keep create um, entire NFT capabilities, marketplaces, minting interfaces, and all of it without fees. So the initial deployment is probably all you have to pay. And then there are no minting expenses um, because of the way this thing is coded. This is one of those inventions that I talk about all the time that I think um, is going to have ramifications beyond this initial use case. Um, I think that it's the kind of technology that people are going to say, oh, maybe I could use that for this. Um, which has been a big part of my career. And so I'm, I'm excited to see this launch, trying to get him on the show. He's a little bashful, a little shy, but uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get them on to talk about this, um, this really uh, cool invention. Solana, Solana, Solana. Solana crashed again for four and a half hours yesterday and uh, their price did as well. Uh, so Sol was down, I don't know, it's down 5%, 5.5% right now. Um, I've been talking to a couple of projects that are launching on Solana or are planning to launch on Solana, and nobody's uh, very excited about um, these things that continue to happen over and over and over again with Solana. Um, this yesterday was a bug, and certainly we all expect bugs in programming, and we also should expect that new blockchains, just like Ethereum did and just like Bitcoin did, are going to have problems and bugs and issues that come up. But Solana, if they're consistent about anything, have been consistent about the entire network shutting down. And to me, it's just really... Um, it would make me cautious about launching a project on that chain because, you know, 
when when it comes down to users using a product, um, especially if it's a product that's not necessarily for DeFi natives, the idea that you know the chain that you're relying on for transactions um, may just shut down for eight hours, four hours, two days, whatever. That that's no way to run a business. And so while I certainly understand why these things happen, and I can understand why um, there are people that are still big fans of this chain. I'm really concerned about, you know, its sustainability because I can't imagine that developers on the chain aren't thinking, wow, I wish I had um, maybe done an EVM compatible chain because now in order to move, it's going to be a bit more difficult, but um, we'll see what happens. But from my perspective, it wouldn't be a bet I'd be making. So uh, I just thought this stat was interesting. Uh, the top 10 layer twos by fully diluted value. Uh, Matic is number one. Axie is number two. Optimism is number three at 5.48 billion. That's some significant serious growth. Uh, Aurora at 3.28 billion. Um, and then the rest, I'm not that familiar with. I've seen them come and go uh, in the news, but uh, just thought this was interesting how fast Optimism has grown and uh, in value and um, that Matic is still maintaining uh, the lead there. Um, let me make sure. Yeah. So Arthur Hayes, you know, I think this guy is the most brilliant writer in crypto. Um, it's not just that his theses and theories are brilliant. It's that the way he writes is so brilliant. And if you haven't read any of his stuff, I highly, highly encourage you to, uh, go take the time to do that because he is, um, he breaks things down for people like me that aren't necessarily economics experts and really makes it so that you can understand the impacts and the connections between what is happening in our economy. And he starts this one off with a, with a really great story um, to give you a sense of what he thinks the Fed is going to have to do and is going to do. So um, I'm just going to take a few snippets out of this piece, but I highly recommend you go read the whole thing so you'll get the, get the whole picture. Um, but essentially what he's saying throughout is the Fed's in trouble. They've really got to um, uh, change how they're operating and what they're doing uh, in the market. Um, and basically says the bull market can only begin once the Fed and its sycophantic cadre of other central bankers reverse courts, which at the very least requires pausing rate hikes and keeping the size of their balance sheets constant. Um, goes on to say, <laughs> I repeat, the reason inflation pisses off the electorate is that everyone moves from place to place and consumes calories. So when gas and food prices are skyrocketing, um, that's going to impact the elections. And I, I guarantee you it's going to make a difference in November. Um, the Fed believes that destroying demand through the negative wealth effect can materially slow the rise of fuel and food prices. The theory is that rich people, and by that I mean those who own financial assets, consume far more of these resources than their plebeian brothers and sisters. Therefore, if you raise rates, it will crater the stock and bond markets, which will in turn force the rich to consume less, destroying fuel and food price inflation in the process. Essentially, he's saying, yeah, the, the risk asset markets are going to get devastated because he, the, the Fed must, must um, try to control things. Essentially what he's saying is, um, if the Fed will press the button and instantly start buying all of the debt, the treasury issues at a politically expedient rate of interest, hello, yield curve control. And he's saying that yield curve control equals $1 million Bitcoin and 10 to $20,000 gold. Um, 
Then he gets into a really cool theory uh, from a friend of his. And basically he's talking about the impact of Terra um, and UST uh, and the bubble bursting for that and the collapse of that, that coin and how it happened. Um, and the theory is, is that um, VCs were getting skittish about Luna. They dumped some um, OTC over the counter and um, that resulted in a ex um, exceedingly large supply uh, on the market, which then uh, imbalanced the pools and um, eventually resulted in the initial uh, DPEG, um, which then got everyone to a panic and rolled forward. And that's where we ended up overall. Um, I'm not going to spend any more time on this because our guest is here and I don't want to keep him waiting any longer. Um, I will bring this back up tomorrow. We'll go through the rest of this piece. But of course, as always, the link to this uh, brilliant Arthur Hayes piece will be in the show notes. I will tell you, um, he thinks we're near the bottom. He goes into a lot of analysis on higher lows and what the market's been doing and the decorrelation of crypto from the NASDAQ and the markets. But bottom line it for you, he's saying that 25 to 27,000 Bitcoin is the bottom and Ethereum uh, 1,700 to 18,000. 1,700 to 1,800 is the bottom. And he does still believe in his thesis that Ethereum will get to 10,000, although he's concerned because politically it may take longer depending on what the Fed does. So Cassandra, how are you, sir? Hey there. Great to meet you and uh, to be here. Very happy. Awesome. Let me turn off screen sharing a second there so everybody can see your smiling face. <laughs> Great. Uh, so, so thanks so much for joining us. Um, you know, you, you, you come out of one of my favorite projects in the space, uh, having, uh, interviewed Hilmar, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I'm really excited what's possible about, for, about using gelato. I'm constantly evangelizing it. Um, I think the power and capability of it is amazing you were or may still be on the gelato team, but now you're in charge of a, a project that came out of gelato called Arrakis. Is that, am I saying that name correctly? Yes, you are. And yeah, if you're wondering where that comes from, it's a, it's a reference to the Dune sci-fi world. Arrakis is the planet. That's the token name spice. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so before we dive into Arrakis, what it is, what you're doing, um, first tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you know, how, how'd you get started in all this? What's your background and uh, how'd you end up a gelato and now Arrakis? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. And I, I won't go on too long though. It's pretty funny how I've come a, a long way in a prior life. I was a theater director. Wow. No, that's pretty far from. Wow, that is, dude, that's amazing. That's Correct. incredible. So, my my father in law was a theater director here in uh, in in Miami, um, so we have a lot of theater discussions happen all the time in our house. Yeah, yeah. My my girlfriend's an actor, and so nice. I'm still still kind of in that world, though. Yeah, over you know a long series of years, got more and more interested in computers and cryptography. And at the same time, uh, pretty soon after I was getting to computers, the first rise of crypto, of course, I had heard about it a long time before, but only around in the uh, just probably the very beginning of the run. And yeah, I was just really, really genuinely excited. I'm a, that kind of research oriented person who loves to dive down a rabbit hole. And so crypto was, you know, is perfect for that that type <laughs> were you were you were you learning to be a were you are you a developer were you learning to code were you kind of self-teaching yourself yeah exactly i've completely self-taught in coding actually 
Nice. Um, and so I have my, my background, my parents are very um, sort of scientific and uh, they're academics. And my brother was always a computer scientist. So I had a bunch of, I had an easy way, self-taught, but also a lot of people around who really could uh, get, get me going in very much the right direction. Um, and, and it pays a lot more than the theater. Uh, way, way more. <laughs> um, so yeah, the theater is not a place where you're, you really don't know how you're going to get paid ever, right? It's, that's not what it's about. It's, uh, it's a really community-oriented, you know, it's an ancient practice that, uh, that has nothing to do with the current markets or, you know, the way uh, things work today and how you get paid is yeah, very It's crazy. Okay. But, um, uh, but uh, yeah, so that's, that's where I started just to say so, so far away, but just was so interested in it. And at first, actually sort of naively getting into uh, Bitcoin, I thought, oh, what you need to know is you need to know cryptography. Uh -huh. so, so unlike I think a lot of others, like nowadays, I don't have to use necessarily as a smart contract developer, you don't always, you know, you can rely on how, uh, how the infrastructure already works and you don't necessarily need to know the fundamentals of elliptic curves and uh, hashing algorithms and but at the time, I thought, oh, it's called crypto. So you need to actually, if you want to be in that space, <laughs> you need to know all that stuff. And so my, my first uh, forays into, into crypto were actually sort of uh, adjacent to cryptocurrency and more like cryptography jobs, doing some research for people wow. about uh, key management systems and stuff like this. But I was so fascinated by Ethereum from afar, um, just like what was going on. Like I said, right at the beginning of my professional developer experience I also saw crypto rising and just um, yeah was always really interested and so eventually I really wanted to make the move out of these more like adjacent to cryptocurrency things into a true truly in the thick of things in in this smart contract development world and well you really took the the most difficult route I would say <laughs> I mean seriously did cryptography is like I mean you can't be better armed for coming into like writing smart contracts than going through the arduous pain of writing for cryptography or understanding it. That's, that's pretty amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. So I went real deep into that math side and of course, yeah, it totally pays off though. Sometimes it's interesting that some of it, you don't really, you really don't need it. Right. 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 Contract developer, you don't actually have to know it, but if you do, you unlock some very interesting tools or abilities to analyze things that you might have to leave to the auditors in other cases, but here, uh, so so it, it definitely comes in handy. But I was really excited to get hacking on DeFi, and so finally got this job with Gelato and started. Basically, was at Gelato for a year, and the whole time was mostly building showcases of what you can do with Gelato automation. Nice. Right at, at the beginning That's of Gelato, fun. yeah, super fun, and just wanted to kind of like, uh, yeah. Enjoyed it so much because, uh, yeah, Gelato is still growing. It's grown a lot even since I first arrived, even though it's only about a year ago. But crypto moves very, very fast. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, building all these interesting use cases where you can say, look, if you use Gelato automation under the hood, you can do these advanced uh, DeFi maneuvers. Um, and these were really interesting. I loved some of the different experiments we were working on. And eventually, when the Uniswap V3 white paper came out, especially with my background in sort of maths and stuff, since it looked pretty math heavy, the Gelato founder said, why don't you do some research there and see what, what kind of automation might be useful or uh, necessary? Um, like how could Gelato automation integrate with Uniswap V3 since we had already done a lot of hacking on Uniswap V2 as well with things like limit orders? Um, yeah. 
Can we step back real quickly? I talk about gelato all the time, but I think it would be great to just give um, the listeners and the audience, um, you know, an overview of what gelato is and what it enables people to do. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just dived right in. So yeah, Gelato, which was, I guess, my previous company now, um, they're <laughs> all about, it's this um, decentralized keeper network that's public. Uh, it's probably the simplest way to talk about it. So it's automation infrastructure for smart contracts, specifically for now EVM compatible blockchains. Um, for those who aren't so deep in DeFi or, or, or smart contracts, you might ask, why, why do you need to automate a smart contract? And the answer is because, well, blockchains are actually very lazy, right? You can't, you can't, unlike with a normal computer, if you think about a blockchain as some computer, it's just happening in this distributed way, the way blockchains work. Um, with a normal computer, you can obviously run a cron job. You can have some code that you want to be running continuously or that you want to be monitoring something and then when something happens to execute. Um, this is actually very, very difficult to do on a blockchain because of the fact that the only way to change the state of the blockchain computer is to send a transaction now and then wait for that transaction to be mined in a block. And there's no way, there's no thing native in the blockchain protocols that we have today at least like Ethereum, that allow you to say, hey, mine this transaction, but in the future. You know, right. mine this transaction tomorrow, or mine this transaction when X happens. And so this is what, keep what you end up needing infrastructure for, right? And in the old days, everybody made their infrastructure themselves, right? MakerDAO might need to do liquidations for their stablecoin platform. So who's going to do those liquidations when when the price finally crosses the collateralization ratio, well, Maker had to run some, create some infrastructure to monitor the blockchain. And then when it was finally time to send a transaction, sign it and send it. Um, but everybody shouldn't be having to make this infrastructure for themselves, you know, re reinventing the wheel over and over. And so Gelato basically becomes this neutral, decentralized, trustless platform for anybody to plug into our infrastructure to do these uh, automated things to, to, uh, that they need to do for their different applications. And that could be anything from trading related. I know that, you know, some of the early use cases were like limit orders on DEXs, um, those kinds of things. Um, but it could just be about anything. Like it could be minting an NFT. It could be, and you all provide, well, Gelato provides the, the nuts and bolts that allows almost like a set of APIs that allow a developer to make use of that automation capability um, almost anything you could do on a blockchain um, can be automated on Gelato. Um, and, I, and I know that initially a lot of this was used or has, is still being used by large trading firms, firms that have to worry about that, that can't be there clicking a MetaMask wallet every time a transaction has to be approved, um, those kinds of things. But I also know that, um, you know, it's it's being used now. A lot of retail traders don't know they're using it. But like the example I gave earlier, limit orders on a DEX, um, that functionality is being used in the back end on a lot of different protocols. Totally, exactly. And so if you've done a limit order on, let's say, QuickSwap uh, under the hood, this is actually Gelato infrastructure making sure that when your price is met, uh, the trade actually happens. Nice. Um, and yeah, all kinds of operations, right? Another long tale of, of things that people do. And what's cool is, like you said, anything is possible. And nice. it's sort of a permissionless infrastructure for you to decide what you want to schedule, what kind of tasks you want to schedule with Gelato. Um, but uh, yeah, one of, the, one of the other kinds of things that is, happens all the time are these kind of projects 
that have these operations they need to do, right? If you have a DeFi project and maybe the token needs to be rebased every day or you have to harvest some yield and send it over there or I don't know, even pay payroll, right? These are the kinds of things that uh, these sort of DevOps on the blockchain that can now, you can just take the headache of having to deal with it yourself and just make sure Gelato runs. Right, so you reduce the need for extra developers on the team. You reduce the human interaction required that can cause errors or problems or security risks um, if you're using Gelato. So, okay, so now you had the fun job because I think this is the fun job. I want the job of coming up with the ideas that somebody with your skills builds on a platform like Gelato. Like I could do that all day long um, as listeners to this show will tell you. Um, you you are like building out apps in this showcase and so that developers can see what's possible, maybe reuse some code, whatever. And you guys decide to build something to make it more efficient to utilize Uniswap version three, which allows liquidity pools to shift based on prices. Um, and so you built it and you can tell me more about it in a second, but now you are suddenly a founder of a project. Exactly. So <laughs> that's quite exciting. I've had a you know a quick two two years here in uh, in smart contract land where uh, I feel really have blessed to yet now be a founder. And so this is exactly what happened. We were building these different. I was uh, the kind of work that I was doing at Gelato was building these different DeFi integrations and showing what was possible. And we realized we ran into some a really uh, a pain point for a lot of projects and people, which was integrating seamlessly with Uniswap version three. It was new, it was complex to use and also had very new paradigms for, for liquidity provision. For instance, your liquidity is now a non-fungible token. Instead of being a fungible LP token, you have non-fungible liquidity since each uh, liquidity provider can specify these prices at the, the price range at which they want their liquidity to be used. And so all of this is really exciting, but it also added a lot of new overhead for liquidity providers and a lot of potential active management they might have to do. So wouldn't it be cool if we could automate and abstract some of this complexity away with Gelato? So that's how the idea was originally born, but we just ran into this organic demand um, from all kinds of projects uh, wanting to work with us because it was difficult to integrate with Uniswap v3, right? How would you use, how would you use these non-fungible liquidity positions as collateral, right? In a in in like a MakerDAO, let's say. And all of a sudden, with with our platform, with now Arrakis, if you if you add liquidity into one of these positions, a the, the ranges could be managed for you, even in an automated fashion, so you don't have to deal with. Um, with actually actively managing the ranges, but also you just now have this property of fungible liquidity again, since you own a portion of this shared liquidity. Uh -huh. And so, so now you have fungible uh, liquidity LP tokens again, and so these could be used as collateral and are today used as collateral in MakerDAO. In fact, our DAI USDC uh, vault which is a collateral type in MakerDAO is backs more than like 9% of all the DAI in circulation. That's amazing. So that was the piece I, I hadn't do dove deeply enough in, in, in Arrakis to understand is this idea that you're taking something that when number one was complex and difficult to manage, no matter how skilled, you know, you may be at a, at a firm that's in, that's, that's trying to LP on, on Uniswap version three, because just, you know, 
you would have to be constantly monitoring or have some kind of alert set up that said, oh, you're out of your price range. Um, you've got to go adjust your, your position. Um, so you were already solving that problem for them. But I, I hadn't realized that you were now also pooling everyone's plays in Uniswap V3 and then allowing them to extract that value out and use a, a, like a derivative token on a on another platform as um, something they can leverage on other platforms. That's fantastic. Yeah. And so it's it's actually really interesting because where, where we were born out of it was with this automation aspect, right? Automating the management of the ranges. Right. But quickly learned that also this is an extremely complex and subtle topic because of impermanent loss. So mm -hmm. as you as you follow prices, right, it might, and this was my very, at the very first day, my naive idea, aha, right, gelato automation can just, if we go out of range, we'll jump back in range, right? right. But it's not quite so simple because if any of you at home have done this on Uniswap V3, you'll realize that you could be earning lots of fees, but if you keep chasing the prices, you're going to be losing money because of these you're losses, imbalanced. right? You yeah. have to keep swapping in order to go to the new part of the range. And if you're swapping, now you're kind of trading these two assets and you easily could start, you know, buying high and selling low, in which case, you know, even though you're earning maybe nice fees, you're actually losing money. And so, so we saw that this is the long-term, really complex problem that we're digging our teeth into. However, an auxiliary thing, just to make that work, right? So we were like, okay, everyone will pile their liquidity into some smart contract. And then there we can automate it on behalf of everyone. The automation is quite complicated, but just the fact that we can aggregate Uniswap V3 liquidity into one place and then have fungible shares of this liquidity position, we realized that even without the automation, this was very, very useful and important because it becomes a money Lego again in a way that it wasn't able to be if it was non-fungible liquidity. Announcement. That's that's fantastic. How, um, when everything is pooled like this, is it now operating as something where essentially I'm just investing in an Arrakis vault and you guys with automation are managing the parameters of where that's placed in Uniswap version three. And so I don't even have to think about any of those aspects of it if I'm investing here. That is exactly right. So a few things that are really cool, even before we get to the automation of the ranges, because this is something we're still, like I said, rolling out and making making more robust. So today, a lot of our vaults are, some of them are even completely static meaning you know this range will be the range forever. But at the very least, you as the liquidity provider don't have to select this range, which we've actually learned that retail is not very good at selecting <laughs> these ranges, right? Because it's, a, it's very complex. It's, yeah. not, it's, it's quite subtle. And so it's already just abstracting that away and say, hey, look, we found a good, suitable, long-term range that uh, we've used statistical methods to figure out is, is kind of where you want to place your liquidity. You don't, all you need to do is have the assets, provide the assets to Arrakis, and then you know Arrakis is providing them to Uniswap V3. At first, potentially even just in this range that was pre-selected and eventually much highly actively managed, you know, and so these ranges could be dynamically changing all the time, but you don't have to worry about that at all, right? You are a passive, you get to go back to being like a Uniswap V2 liquidity provider, entirely passive, just give it your assets, hold your LP token, and when you burn your LP token, you get back, you know, your portion of the, the, the liquidity and any fees that you earn. So th that's pretty amazing. Does it, does this make, I mean, doesn't this kind of obliterate 
the idea of being an LP manually on on any other platform at that point. I mean, I, I understand people are going to go for higher risk, you know, LP and yield farming elsewhere, but ultimately the whole headaches and and compl complexity of managing LP positions is already a pain, but even more difficult, obviously, with Uniswap version three. Um, are you finding that as you guys launch this, I mean, you're almost up to a billion right now in, in, in TVL, which is astounding. Um, are you finding that people are just saying, ah, oh, screw it, we're just going to take out everything else we're doing and put it over here? Um, yeah, it, it's interesting. I think, I think certainly there will always be liquidity providers who want to do it themselves. And of course, right, one thing you are giving up by putting your assets into these vaults is your autonomy to to you know select your specific preferences for ranges and when you'd want to rebalance them and shift sure. them. And so there will always be some people. And again, yeah, we mostly are these days our vaults are very very conservative. Our, our approach has always been um, uh, trying not to you know test wild strategies uh, on everybody's money and uh, risk a lot of you know risk the LPs getting wrecked. And so until we know we really have a really proper solution, we're going to use highly conservative strategies, which up to now has meant basically quite wide ranges. Um, so, so there's definitely a market for it's, we're not, we're not the whole thing, but I think these headaches are a really big deal. Yep. And also this, this composability unlocks a lot. So why does, why does liquidity come into our wide ranges when maybe you as a liquidity provider could risk it, but if you feel, you know, that, um, that in the for the short amount of time that you want LP, the prices will be much more concentrated. You can put a much more concentrated position and earn more fees. And the reason is usually actually because we're partnering with projects who want to bootstrap liquidity. Nice. And so they can incentivize that liquidity much easier using Arrakis because they have the control to say, we want to incentivize this price range. Right. Very we want nice. a, wide, a wide price range. So no matter where the price moves, we know there will always be this base liquidity. So Arrakis right now is kind of the liquidity of last resort for many projects with these wide ranges where how why does a lot of money come in? Well, because they're also being incentivized with liquidity mining schemes, which are much easier to uh, roll out as well, because you back to a Uniswap V2 style thing. Right. You just have an, a fungible token, which you can lock in a contract and the more of the fungible token you locked, the more rewards you're getting in comparison to everyone else. With non-fungible liquidity, how do you distribute these rewards fairly, right? Because everyone would have different ranges. And so who deserves rewards? So it's a lot more complicated. And so, so the ability to use our tokens as collateral or to stake them to earn rewards and things like this, I think is the biggest attraction and why, why it's uh, gr grown so much. So I didn't even realize that you all were doing um, almost a, kind of a bribe system where projects can come in here and say, please, you know, provide liquidity to us in these price ranges, which is awesome. Um, and then people get incentivized from those projects. I'm assuming they get tokens from those projects um, for, for the incentive based on how much they put into that pool. Yeah, exactly. So actually, if you click on incentivized vaults there, you'll see. So in the old days, it was up to the projects to do this, right? We just provided the vault. We just provided the uh -huh. fungible LP token. And then you'd have to go to the project's website or something uh, to uh, you'd have to go to the project's website to actually, um, you know, stake it and get these rewards. But now here, 
for our first time, we're actually natively providing the incentives under the hood, which is nice. You can click, like, as you see there, you can deposit and stake in one transaction. So you know you'll be, you know you'll be getting the, oh, look, this one seems to be slightly out of range right now. But these, <laughs> well, these are two stable coins. So, uh, right. Not too much to worry. Yes, exactly. The price should, should uh, deviate back into the range. Uh, and so, but as you can see, you're getting these rewards APR as well. And the rewards APR is much, much greater. In this case, pretty small fee APR right now. You, uh, we take an APR over the last like day or so, so this is constantly fluctuating. And sure, um, but as you can see, most people are here actually for the juicy Matic incentivized rewards. There you go. Um, and so more and more, eventually, right? Once we Spice Token is not launched yet, but once we have that, we'll even more have this ability to have. Uh, there will be this long tail of Spice emissions, which can be directed uh, to also provide this same kind different of different incentives. Rating like we're doing with the Polygon, right? Well, and so here, Polygon wanted to Polygon wanted Uniswap V3 liquidity to be bootstrapped. And so they came to us and we made it possible. That's awesome. And look, I mean, you know, there are a lot of people that, that love Polygon. And obviously most of those folks are big true believers in Ethereum. So a pool like this is a no brainer. If you're somebody that wants to accumulate more Matic um, because you think the upside is so, so good, um, I'm one of those people, then it makes total sense to deposit here um, and let you guys optimize the, the fees and at the same time get all these extra rewards of Matic that you're stacking up. That's exactly. fantastic. Exactly. And so, so this will continue to be rolled out. This is the first time that we were actually natively offering the, uh, like we were the ones natively on our site. You can already just stake it and earn the rewards directly. Um, and this will continue to grow. I think. That's fantastic. Do you see? Um, do you see other? Or do you see yourselves adding other automations to the back end of this? Right. So if I'm getting reward tokens in Matic, um, offering further automations that I can have those Matic tokens working for me elsewhere. It's an interesting question. There has definitely been some people in the Discord, uh, at least hollering for <laughs> um, for like. Uh, for instance, compounding your Matic rewards into the position, right? So this is something that could totally be built with Gelato automation under the hood, right? Right. Harvest, harvest those, claim those Matic rewards, swap a little bit for ETH, and place it all into the vault so that Back you can be earning more. Um, yeah. So this is an interesting avenue, though it has not been built yet. We're mainly focusing on the core product. Sure. Uh, since since the other issue where, where we're really working working hard to grow is for now these positions as i said are quite wide range long-lived positions that are not meant to change very often if at all right um Got it. but of course this means that as you can see the the actual fees from the market you're earning are not probably not the most aggressive rate at all even though i bet we're at a moment of uh, of low volume, it's part of why the fee APR looks low. At the same time, we're never going to compete with a highly concentrated liquidity provider right. in this way. And so um, what we're working on are a number of different methods and schemes and ways to make it possible to have much more actively managed positions that are still safe, right? They don't risk these super aggressive impermanent loss that is really going to hurt the LPs. Uh, but at the same time, allow us to be more concentrated to create deeper 
more liquid markets for Polygon and better fees for the LPs. And so, so this, this is where we're really attacking getting better automation because for now it's actually a very slow process how the active management of the ranges happens. So I would assume that a majority of the, the funds coming into you, I mean, and that could be incorrect, are, are larger scale uh, institutional or whale type investors, or have you seen a variety of just, you know, do you, have, do you know, like the minimum, the average deposits you guys get on, on these pools? That is a very interesting question. I think liquidity provision is often uh, dominated by whales uh, somewhat, right? Also in terms of the TVL, right? Because even if you get a hundred users, there are definitely people who try try this out, especially on Polygon with the Polygon incentives. I think we got a big new burst of, uh, you nice. know, like a smaller value participants, which is really exciting. On mainnet, this is more difficult, which is where we started um, and still are. Um, I think at the same time, right, by TVL, though, even if you get a few hundred small deposits, they can easily be kind of uh, overshadowed by one multimillionaire dropping tens of millions of dollars into a pool, right? And so, sure. so it, it's a mix. And I think the, the biggest place where we've seen a ton of growth is on mainnet, actually, with, um, with this die USDC uh, pool where you can get these maker loans for uh -huh. very, very low interest in order to go leverage into this DAI USDC LP. And um, this has been our, our biggest driver of growth in, just in terms of TVL, because especially in the recent downturn that I'm sure everybody has noticed and you were just speaking about, um, you know, there's this flight to quality and flight to stables. Um, and so this is a great place if you're holding stables to just park them to earn uh, a, a very low risk uh, steady interest. So. Makes makes total sense. Makes a, a lot of sense. Uh, and the community vaults, are these things that like your your community, your DAO are proposing and they get voted on to be put into here or? that That's the thing. That's the reason we, we separated them out is that the for now these community vaults are it's a total hodgepodge. But the cool thing is it's completely permissionless to nice to vaults. So anybody can create a pool. We do just for create a vault, um, just for like spam purposes, you do need to make a PR to, to get it like to show up on this UI here. Right. But from the smart contract level, it's entirely permissionless. And um, so people are using them for all kinds of use cases. A number of these, I, I don't even know who, who, <laughs> who created who is, right or, or why the project wants to do it. Um, uh, for others, we know very well. And so, yeah, that's why we call it sort of community vaults. Definitely know that it's do your own research on this side with the ones that those Matic incentivized vaults, you know, that we're the ones managing it and Polygon and Arrakis are 100% behind it. Basically with these, uh, it's a little bit more, uh, at your own risk. You, you might want to know, uh, do some extra research on like what, what is being offered, with this stable, with this, uh, with this vault, and why, why is there money in it? Who's using it? Right. Um, so yeah, that's cool. Um, in terms of so, in terms of community, um, were you active at, at Gelato? Were you engaged with the community uh, on a regular basis, or has this been a new part of your your gig now, taking taking on Arrakis? It's definitely somewhat new. I think for the for, for the first while, I was mostly hacking away in secret. Um, though I've always been somewhat of a gregarious guy, so theater. I, I, I have, the theater, exactly, <laughs> have the theater background. 
And so, yeah, they've seen my face around for sure. Uh, if you're deep in the gelato community, you definitely know me. Um, uh, but I would say I've taken a much more active role since we decided to spin out and uh, form, you know, the Arrakis community is just growing and forming now. Um, and so a lot more activity from me on the community side. Nice. And I know that, and I, we don't have to go too deep into this. I know that when you, when, when, when the whole airdrop was announced um, for gel holders, there were some, there was some whining um, <laughs> that occurred. Um, and I was a little surprised by that. Uh, I was like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm holding this token. I already believe in this project and now I'm getting more value spun out of this and I'm complaining. I, I, to me, it was a little shocking. Um, and look, I don't, the cha the chaos and craziness of crypto, it, it, it's just kind of the norm now, but have you guys kind of been able to m massage past that uh, bit of oh. public complaining that was occurring? Definitely. I think, and I, I mean, you know, it's, I think it shows how it is quite complex to do some sort of, oh, yeah. uh, what do you call it, a spin-off. Right. This has a lot of complexities because there are many different participants. Um, there are people who were part of Gelato from the very beginning. There are new Gelato people. There are people who are really interested in whatever is coming from the new spin-off. And you want to kind of uh, balance everybody's, uh, everybody's incentives and also like uh, what, what they want out of it. Um, so, so that's difficult. Um, and also, of course... I think everybody knows and you see it on Twitter all the time that there is a bit of a um, uh, some kind of sense of entitlement among the crypto community sometimes with airdrops, which I think is it, it's understandable as well. Uh, you know, um, free money, it's free money, but also is it right? There are always some kind of strings attached or there's something in it for those who are who are giving it out as well. And so people are understandable that people want to want to understand what's going on. Yes. Yeah. And so, of course, some of it felt like exactly like you say, like we're we're handing you opportunities here and you're angry about it. Um, <laughs> uh, but at the same time, right, uh, it's kind of this Wild West world and people want to make sure that they're not um, that things aren't happening behind closed doors or something that are um, uh, screwing them over or getting them rugged. Right. And so uh, I think there's a bit of like there's all of these things, this kind of paranoia is part of it. And so it's sort of par for the course. And I think we're, as you see, there's a lot of noise and I think we've already gotten pretty far past that. And a lot of the people, even those who are really calling for some changes in the like token model that we were proposing when we first spun it out, some of those same people who were pretty vocal um, are now deeply invested in the Arrakis project. Nice. That's, so I feel, that's I feel great like to hear so far that's that's an, that's excellent that's great to hear because look i mean the reason i asked you about that and and asked you about kind of if you had been heavily engaged in the community at gelato was that that's that's something that can overwhelm founders right it's like you i, I don't know i tweeted the other day as a founder you can you you can be at the uh, you know the hero on the pedestal one minute and the next minute you're being dragged through the streets of your discord and so um I, I find as I talk to to project leads or founders that the thing that seems to wear on them the most is engaging and managing community expectations and reactions to things. 
So I, I, I was thinking when, when, when I was told that you were kind of diving in to take on this project, I thought that was the first thing that came to my head because I'm reading this proposal of what you guys were going to do with the project and the spin out and the airdrop. And I thought, this looks so reasonable. I can't imagine being in that position of like, here I am, I'm trying to take on this project. There's a lot of work to be done to get to market and be public and have a brand and all of that stuff. And now as soon as it happens, I'm getting, there's this onslaught. So I'm glad to hear, uh, I, I'm glad to hear that things have, have, have smoothed out and, and are, are going better for you. That's great. That's great. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you have to have thick skin. And yeah, it's definitely true, right? That sometimes the, some frustration, only frustration can come from know that, but all uh, it's, it's understandable that people don't necessarily know it, but at least from my perspective, I know that we've been working really hard to try to make something that, uh, you know, uh, it's easy to, it's easy to shoot something down. It's very, very hard to propose something legitimate yeah. um, that suits everybody. And that, you know, uh, we worked, we've, continue to and we're working during that time very very hard to to make something that we thought actually makes sense and show it to the community and we're open to feedback and so yeah it's of course there's some frustration there but yeah you just have to have the thick skin i think well at the end of the day it, it, it's the it's the complaints go away if if everyone's happy and making money so that that that's the that's the key how many people on the team Cool. Yeah. Great question. So we have a, a couple like uh, me and one or two others who have uh, moved over from Gelato to okay. full time on Arrakis. Um, and then we're still building out the team. We're very early and young. And as you can see, this beta site, uh, it's still we're still building and, and getting out there. Um, and so I think we have a, a number of others, a few front-end people, some smart contract engineers, people who are working on the modeling. I'd say we're about maybe 10 to 12 wow. right now wow. in total, okay. um, maybe like 10, and probably will continue to grow over the next few months to 15, something like that. 16. All right. Well, I could certainly see, I mean, look, this there's a lot of um, potential biz dev work here because you want, I'm assuming, more and more projects to come in and incentivize vaults. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that's falling on your shoulders and others on the team right now. Um, I, so I could definitely see how um, how you'll be growing and how the opportunities are going to be pretty strong. It looks it looks fantastic. Um, anything else coming or anything else about the, the platform that, that you think people should know about? Well, yeah, so there's this, uh, so the SPICE token, right, which is going to come, right. which will change, I think, the project pretty uh, drastically eventually. eventually. Um, like, I feel like we're in a phase right now, which, um, which is really exciting, and we're still growing and building things and shipping new features, but really, like, you, you get into that totally new phase once you have this uh, incentivized native incentivization mechanism, which we've never had before. All right. the incentives have always come from outside projects. So that's really exciting. And all just a PSA that if you are a gel holder and you are interested, um, don't forget that you can lock your gel for three months in order to be able to participate in the Spice airdrop. Um, so uh, only you only have about eight more days to do that if you want to. Um, also, there's no barring on that. So if you're someone who wants to participate in all that and you're not a gel holder yet, you're not barred from acquiring gel now and then locking it. Um, so anybody can get in on it and get some spice uh, when this happens if they come in and lock it up 
uh, on this page, the, the link is on the top of the website. Everybody lock gel, uh, come over here, buy some gel and then come over here and lock it up and then you'll get spice. Exactly. So that's, that's really exciting. And then also look out for, you know, new, uh, new features being shipped. Um, we're really, really excited about our, our vault V2, which should be coming soon. Um, which I think will will change the game hopefully in the all the different abilities we have uh, to to manage uh, liquidity in Uniswap. It's fantastic. I I love it. I love the project. I love your roots. So you know, I'm already a fanboy. That's great, man. That's fantastic. Um, best place for people to reach out. I'm assuming Arrakis Finance. Um, and it's a is it Arrakis Finance on Twitter? Yeah, I think so. Yep. I think it's at Arrakis Finance on Twitter. You can also here or anywhere else, you'll find links to our Discord. I feel like that's where there's a lot of activity right now if you're looking to kind of uh, get involved somehow. Um, but yeah, Twitter, Discord, Telegram, the website, Arrakis.Finance. Awesome. Well, I, I'm I'm excited about the project. I'm really excited to see how much progress you guys have already made and uh, I'm looking forward to see how things go in the future. So thank you so much for coming on and uh, I will put links to everything related to the project in the show notes for everybody that's listening, but really appreciate you being here. Tell your girlfriend, break a leg. <laughs> Thanks so much. Really, really enjoyed it. It was a pleasure. Take care, man. Have a great day. Bye-bye. All right, so that's Arrakis, a uh, cool project I'm very excited about. Uh, really, that was the first time I've met Cassandra and um, uh, really kind of excited about their approach and how they're doing things. Um, you know, I'm already a big fan of Gelato and this project seems to have a ton, a ton of potential. Um, so go check them out. You know, if you want to really kind of have some passive earnings, a lot going on with the, the Matic token on uh, in their vaults. And to me, it seems like a, a great opportunity in these incentivized vaults um, to, to, to more safely stake uh, or have provide liquidity, but also to earn extra uh, in addition to it because uh, projects like uh, Polygon are in there incentivizing at 33% APR earning Matic. Um, and for me, Matic is a, uh, one, of the, one of the fundamental projects that I think are going to be important in the future and will continue to grow. And that team uh, is firing on all cylinders. So congratulations to Cassandra. Congratulations to the team. Uh, congratulations to the gel holders who are locking up and going to get some spice. Um, I encourage anyone that thinks this project is a great idea to check it out and take a look. That is going to be all for today. I'm going to revisit the Arthur Hayes piece tomorrow, but I'm going to put a link to it uh, in the show notes. I'll have links to all the Arrakis info and all the news uh, pieces that I did earlier. Thank you so much for joining us. We love you. We appreciate you. If you have any thoughts or ideas, comments, criticisms, or feedback, you can always message me, B05Crypto, on Telegram and Twitter, B05Crypto, and on Discord, B05Crypto, pound 2143. I am always open to your ideas and thoughts. If you think there are projects we should be talking to, reviewing, looking at, um, that would be a good guest for this show or for the Mission DeFi show, don't hesitate to reach out. If you're listening uh, on Apple Podcasts, which is where most of our listeners are on their podcast apps, please rate, review us, and subscribe. Um, the more you spread the word, the more you let people know 
uh, about what we're doing, the more people we get engaged in listening to the show. And uh, if you're watching on YouTube, please uh, subscribe, give us a thumbs up, click the little bell so you get um, notified when we release new episodes. We're here every day, noon Eastern time. Um, you can find it on my Twitter profile, all the announcements about each day's show. And these are also always fed into the podcast where most of our listeners go. Thanks so much. And I hope everyone has a fantastic day. I hope Joe will be back with us tomorrow. But if not, um, it'll just be me and I've got a lot more news to cover. Thank you.